0: Joe Biden wants you to know that his infrastructure plan, oh, it's a doozy, like nothing you've ever seen before.
1: So today, I'm proposing a plan for the nation that rewards work, not just rewards wealth. It builds a fair economy that gives everybody a chance to succeed, and it's going to create the strongest, most resilient, innovative economy in the world.
0: Can we just take a step back and break that down for a second?
1: Because I've
0: been going through it. I've been working through it and seeing where they're putting the money. And, well, I favor an infrastructure plan. I favor the rebuilding and the recreation of infrastructure in the United States because, well, it's necessary. You got to invest in these things you got to invest in them at a cost, and you sometimes have to sacrifice to invest them. Invest in them. It's like when you have to replace the hot water heater in your house. Sometimes something has to go. Maybe that vacation. Maybe uh, you have to wait a couple months before you get that new car. Maybe you're not going to replace the oven this year. It's going to have to get through just one more year. We don't have anything like that. But can we break down this statement that President Biden made in Pittsburgh just the other day? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, the phone number, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Remember, this is an infrastructure plan. When we think infrastructure, we're thinking roads and bridges. Now, I would argue that infrastructure is other things, like for example, broadband broadband is a part of this infrastructure bill i have no problem with that now i have to go through the numbers and see how they're they're gonna spell this out are we talking about things that are done via satellite or things that are done via uh, fiber optic because sometimes it just doesn't make any sense uh to uh to lay down all of that cable there's another way to do things maybe and we should look into that but when you tell me there's 100 billion dollars for schools i'll be like okay that's interesting and when you tell me some of it is goes to improve school kitchens for more nutritious meals, that's where things start to get a bit sketchy. The, the realization, of course, that many of us have had, and some people maybe are just coming to as they just start to understand it, which is fine. Right? People understand things as they do. They might have just been introduced to it. Schools are now places that we want to require to provide breakfast and then lunch. And then there's a dinner conversation as well. Schools providing meals that parents should be providing. Well, Tony, not every parent can afford to provide meals. Now we're having a different conversation, aren't we? Is it the responsibility of the school, which is to say the society, through a government program, the school provide meals for those students or maybe others? Because when it comes to providing meals to those people who need it, isn't that what the church has been doing for years? Without any government help or government assistance? Isn't that what organizations have been doing for years? Isn't this what de Tocqueville wrote about? Amongst the other things, this idea that nobody waited for government to solve a problem, they just went about creating groups and organizations and solving the problems themselves. But if we now are going to retrofit the cafeterias so we can get more kale into the mix, well, now we're codifying what we've already been seeing that we want the school to take care of meals for children. You think of it, or I shouldn't say you. No, it's not you. They say, well, we have to feed these children. You might say, I might say, we might say, that the school providing meals is a way of carving out the parent from a very important experience. Mealtime. It's time to get together. Mealtime, it's a time to connect. I know people are busy. Oh, they're so busy. Truth is, no one's that busy. Settle down. But sometimes you're busy and you've got a couple of jobs, man, been there and done that, and you only have five minutes. Right? I get that. But you still want that five minutes. You still want that time to connect. And most importantly, it is still the responsibility of the parent who created the child. This maneuver about schools providing meals takes that responsibility away. If the responsibility is taken away, oh, that's not a luxury. That is about severing that ever-important relationship what you haven't thought of it like that or you have thought of it like that and now there are other people saying you know what i haven't thought of it like that but that's a point and of course some people are just going to want to dismiss that you just don't want to feed children did i ever say that or did i make recognition engage in recognition of a problem That's just one of many let's go back to joe biden's words let's break it down
1: so today i'm proposing a plan for the nation that rewards work not just rewards wealth it builds a fair economy that gives everybody a chance to succeed
0: let's take now these two things he wants to reward work and not wealth and he wants to build a fair economy that allows everybody to succeed This is an infrastructure bill. The plan should be roads and bridges that allow us to get from point A to point B with ease. Replacing water systems so we ensure for the next 150 years America keeps its residents and citizens safe. No, that's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about.
1: It builds a fair economy that gives everybody a chance to succeed. When
0: Republicans start saying, you know what this is, this is a backdoor to the Green New Deal. I'm not a Republican, but I said it. This is a backdoor to the Green New Deal when you hear about the money that he's willing to spend to retrofit uh, homes and office buildings. But you hear him in his own words telling you this isn't about roads and bridges or broadband. This is about a re-envisioning in the progressive landscape. And I can guarantee you dollars to donuts. Wait, is that the expression? Dollars to donuts, would that be the expression? My father uses the one as sure as God made little green apples. So I'll go with that one. As sure as God made little green apples. This is going to affect the Midwest in the most horrific of ways.
1: It's going to create the strongest, most resilient, innovative economy in the world. It's not a plan that tinkers around the edges. It's a -a once-in-a-generation investment in America, unlike anything we've seen or done since we built the interstate highway system and the space race decades ago.
0: The space race wasn't about anything other than destroying or, or beating the communists and working on destroying them i mean look one man's theory that that's what i'm going with but the idea that we as a society should be opposed to uh rebuilding or or you know fixing infrastructure replacing infrastructure that we shouldn't be but let the man continue
1: In fact, it's the largest American jobs investment since World War II.
0: Is it a jobs investment or is it an infrastructure investment? I'm not arguing that you're not going to need people to build these things and that jobs will get created, quote unquote. But are you doing it just to create the job, the government job? No, wait, the union job, because wait till you hear all the talk about unions. this group is union insane it is all about the homage to unions all about the love for unions all about the, the the appeasing of unions again it's his words all we're doing is listening and it's not about infrastructure
1: It will create millions of jobs, good-paying jobs. It will grow the economy, make us more competitive around the world, promote our national security interests, and put us in a position to win the global competition with China in the upcoming years. It's big, yes. It's bold, yes. And we can get it done. It has two parts, the American Jobs Plan and the American Families Plan. This American jobs
0: plan is $2.2 trillion. And, of course, Representative Ocasio-Cortez says it's nowhere near enough. It's nowhere near enough. Uh, over at Fox News, uh, it says Republicans dismiss Biden's $2 trillion spending plan as thinly veiled progressive overhaul of U.S. economy. I don't even think it's thinly veiled, to be, to be honest. Then there's the New York Times getting punched in the face for how they described it Biden plan stresses jobs roads and growth that's the headline of the New York Times actually got tweeted out by Ron Klain who's the chief of staff for Joe Biden and the point was um, is, is the New York Times now writing press releases for the Biden administration right remember if if Trump had gotten to his plan on, on on infrastructure, we would be told how it's just it's how it's racist I mean tax pitch challenges GOP notions on lifting economy the tax pitch is about raising the taxes remember Keynesian's going to Keynesian. We're talking about John Maynard Keynes. The, the idea that what you do is you get government spending going. You get the government spending. And they go. Ooh, they're going to buy this. They're going to buy that. They're going to invest here. They're going to put the money there. And by putting all that money out, that's how you prime the pump and you get things really going and moving. That's Keynesian economics. That doesn't work. There is no long-term strategy that brings that value. Me, I'm much more in the camp of F.A. Hayek. And the idea of savings. But Keynesian's going to Keynesian. They're always going to say the answer is more spending. And then, of course, the answer is more taxes. We're talking about an increase from 21% to 28% of, uh, of corporate taxes. Taking that, that global minimum tax, which is kind of, of, of wonky, but doubling it to 21% from 10.5% Then some other ones that they're looking at. Right, even the people at CNN noted that the New York Times was just a wee bit over the top, wee bit over the top, because they're not even going to take a look at this plan in a way that, well, is this is is this worthwhile? Again, and we're going to break this down further. Infrastructure is worthwhile. I don't know if in this this part needs to be two point two trillion dollars. But when you start taking a look at where they put some of the money, $213 billion to build, retrofit, renovate 2 million homes, $174 billion in the electric vehicle market, but get this, they want to have 500,000 charging stations for electric vehicles by 2030. Never mind how are we going to power all the electricity to charge these vehicles, that will take coal, right? We, we won't get into that hypocrisy right there. They want to provide rebates and incentives to buy electric vehicles. First, that's picking winners and losers. Second, that's about putting a financial incentive to your ideology. Telling other people, if you don't make electric cars, you can't even be in the game. And third, why is the federal government incentivizing people buying a car? Why are they going down this road at the tune of $174 billion? When they say this is just a thinly veiled progressive overhaul, this is what they're talking about. And don't forget the eighty billion dollars uh, that they've got going in there uh, for for Amtrak. No, no, no. You don't. You don't have to pay attention to that. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. They want to help that corridor between D.C. and and Boston, New York, uh, Boston, New York, D.C. million, because Joe Biden loves trains. Someone seriously just put him a train set in the East Room. He'll get himself a conductor's hat and play there for hours. I'll break down more of this as the days continue. I'm Tony Katz. It's opening day. Major League Baseball. Am I, am I supposed to care? I mean, I'm not angry at anybody who who, who who does. I'm just, it's baseball, man. It's just never, ever, ever been my sport. And the idea that it's still America's game, we're supposed to have this great romanticism uh, uh, about it. Do we? Do do, do any of us? I maybe, you do, maybe you're super excited. You're there with the kids, and, oh, it's going to be fantastic. And then you've got the news that Roy Williams is going to retire as the coach from the North Carolina Tar Heels. 33 seasons, three NCAA titles. He has coached for 48 years. Right? He was with Kansas for 15 seasons and then Carolina for 18 seasons. 2005, 2009, 2017, those being uh, the championship years, none of those taking place uh, in Kansas. Now, we were trying to figure out whether or not uh, UNC is like the top college basketball job in America. Right? Um, Maybe. UNC, Duke, Kansas, like... That's those aren't anybody's top 5, right? Those are the top 3 period. You th- you think those are the top 3? Definitively. Yeah, cuz I can't think of any other programs that have that have the kind of storied history. I mean, IU used to have that storied history. IU would would certainly be a top 20. Oh, sure. You know, but it, I don't I don't think today is considered and they and they just picked up a coach from from the NBA. Yeah,
2: who's uh, Mike Wilson? Uh, Mike Woodson. He's only a Wilson. few few years younger than uh, Roy Williams, who just retired. Right, right. I think Mike Woodson is is sixty six. Used to play at IU.
0: Played in the NBA. Coached uh, the the Hawks and and the Knicks, and I think someone else who, I can't remember. Um, but no, I don't think IU would be considered. A, a, I don't even think IU would be considered a top five program in terms of even history, just because uh, life post Bobby Knight, if you will. Didn't give them the same oomph, and certainly the last few years, Archie Miller was just a, a, a wreck. They really thought they had a, a, a winner there. And they could have really had a winner in Tom Crean, but I, maybe they just didn't let that one last long enough. Maybe if Crean had still been there, you, you'd get some results, right? You, you, would, you would have had some, some good results. I don't know. I don't know where people are with that. But yeah, this, it's got to be. UNC has got to be in the top three. UNC, Duke, Kansas. I don't think there's a there's a question there. I don't know who's going to be up for that gig. I don't know how, pe- how many people are going to try and make it happen. But if you want the school that's already got the recruiting in place, I mean, that's something they got to consider. They need a coach that gives them a name and a big name. You know, you, you bring in the wrong coach and people start saying, well, I committed, but like that's the fear. That, you know it, the, these kinds of things are bigger shattering moves for for a university like this now you might say to me well they're spending too much on basketball anyway oh very possible very possible indeed facebook tony cats radio go to tonycats.com and get the podcast just click on podcast there it is and then you can just click the link to your following and you're subscribing and doing all the stuff it's free it's free it is free tonycats.com
1: this is tony cats today So at JFK, that's John F.
0: Kennedy Airport in New York, uh, they caught a passenger smuggling 29 live finches hidden in hair rollers. Honestly, I'm surprised I didn't play the music for it. I'm surprised I didn't play the music for it. That is the worst headline of the day. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's a pleasure to be with you. I didn't know people even did such a thing. Fish and Wildlife Services told uh, Border Patrol to seize and quarantine the birds. Before handing them off to the USDA veterinary service, the man in question who had
2: flown into the country from Guyana. Ah, that explains it. What do you mean that explains it? Uh, you can't, smuggling, I was saying why do I just travel finches legally, but if they're from a different country, it's much more difficult to transport animals into America. My
0: question is, why do you need to do it to begin with? Oh, that, that I have no clue. I just There's <laughs> a big
2: finch, underground finch market? No, that I don't know. I just was wondering why you wouldn't just travel with your finches legally.
0: He was allowed to withdraw his request to enter the country and return to Guyana. He got issued a fine of $300, which I doubt will ever get paid.
2: That's it? For yeah. illegal smuggling? Just go home and here's 300 bucks. That's horrible. It's a very weird story because I... Right, we
0: we can all get to the basics of it, right? You, people smuggle all sorts of things. If you're smuggling animals, they're animals. They're alive. This is it's a very like they took these these rollers and then put like mesh on the ends and then put the bird in it. The bird can't move. I, mean, I I'm not down with that at all. What I don't understand is what's the purpose? Is there a marketplace that that I don't know about that we don't understand? Is there something else going on? That's what I would like to know. This is not the first time it's happened. It isn't the first time Border Patrol has been forced to confiscate shipment of finches coming through JFK. That happened in 2018. A guy was stopped with 70 finches in his carry-on luggage. And in 2019, a guy from Connecticut returning from South America, 34 finches. Someone explain to me. All right, I got it. And by the way, in all these cases,
2: hair curlers are used to transport the birds. All right, producer. All right, teach me. Uh, apparently, you can sell a finch for between $3,000 and $5,000 for, for a prime finch. Stop it. I, I don't get it. Yes. So they get.
0: So they, they're not caught in the wild in Guyana
2: or in South America. You're telling me that someone will pay $5,000 for a finch? For the right kind of finch, I, I guess, makes the $300 fine kind of worth it. Growing up, my my mother had birds, right? And
0: when I was growing up, my mother had this pretty large bird cage, and they were they were gold goldfinches, I believe they they they, they were. Um After that experience, and I can picture where they were in the den in our house, I can tell you that nobody should ever actually want to own a bird. She probably smuggled them herself. I doubt that. She never used hair curlers. (laughs) Gross. Right? So this is just like the the things you learn. $5,000 a finch. Holy moly. It would make me want to open up a bird shop, not smuggle finches crazy there is a uh assistant coach with the Indianapolis Colts named Kevin Mawai. and you know the name because uh Mawai had a remarkable remarkable career as an NFL player just huge huge uh, career um biggest could be and all these guys when they when they retire and they and they played any level of, of offensive line, the amount of weight that they lose. Like looking at Joe Thomas now, go, go uh, search Joe Thomas from the Cleveland Browns. Right, This is not a football story, but it is a football story. This is a much more interesting story. This is a story of perseverance. So don't tune me out just yet. This story is fantastic. I mean, he played um, uh, for, uh, I think it was, it was the Titans, right? Who? That's where he, he I, I know him from. Well, he got out of football. And he wanted to coach. He wanted to get into coaching. Guys are football guys and they still want to be around it and they still have something to offer. He wanted to coach. And he thought that he was gonna get a a, a gig. On the staff uh, at Arizona State University, which is my alma mater, but I didn't graduate, so I don't know if it's my alma mater or not. I went to Arizona State University. Uh, and, I, and I'm and i now sorry I said it out loud because they're probably going to ask me for money. And then they're going to realize, no, wait, he's in radio. We'll send him money. Herm Edwards, former coach of the Jets, where Mawai actually played for a bit. Um, he's the coach there. And Kevin Mawai thought that he was going to get a gig on that staff he didn't get the st- he didn't get the gig he didn't get the gig a guy from the indianapolis colts named clayton adams got the gig so mawai is like well i i want to coach i want to coach i, I may, maybe there's an opportunity here and, and 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 i can coach so he picks up his phone Realizing this guy, Clayton Adams, is going to be leaving. And he texts the coach of the Colts, Frank Reich. He texts him, doesn't know him, just boom, get, finds to a friend Frank Reich's number and texts him and says, Hey, I know Clayton is leaving. I would be interested. That's it. He sent a cold text. And Frank Reich says, look, if if Clayton leaves, hit me back up. Clayton ends up leaving. Uh, Mawai reaches out and says he left. They start talking. The next thing you know, Kevin Mawai is now an assistant with the Indianapolis Colts. By the way, um, he's also a member of the Hall of Fame, Class of 2019. 16 seasons in the NFL. Seattle the Jets, and the Tennessee Titans. The story here is that he doesn't have a gig if he doesn't just say, you know what, screw it, I'm going to reach out, I'm going to try. That's the story you should share with your kids. That's the story. Now, he does have a, 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 a reputation. He does have a resume. All those things are true. But how in the world would anybody have known it if he didn't say, hey, think of me. It's a hard thing to do in this world to sell yourself, to put yourself out there, to to get rejected. No, no, we don't want you. It happens. But it is the only way you ever get the chance to do anything. You got to put yourself out there. You got to put the content out there. And what you really have to do is sell. It does not matter what the gig is In the end, it's a sales job. You have to sell the product or you have to sell yourself. One way or another, that's exactly what you're doing. And you have to learn to be comfortable with that. You have to learn to be comfortable with the fact that you are a product and what you bring, the service you bring is valuable, and you should not be ashamed of that. You should share why you're worthy of this position and why they're going to get something out of you they can't get out of anybody else. Now, sometimes that doesn't happen at the first. Sometimes that only happens after you just say, hey, if you're looking for somebody who could do this, give me a call. That's how it works. When my kids ask, as as they they get to a certain age, they ask a question. The question is, hey, how how do you meet a guy? How do you meet a girl? How do you talk to a girl? How do you talk to a guy? And my answer is always the same. You walk up to them and you say hello. There's no line, right? Producer Ari, he's got a hundred pickup lines. Oh my goodness. Cuckoo! The man's a player with an A at the end even. Me, no, I'm just gonna say hello. So many people are so tentative. They don't know what to say. They're not sure, they're too afraid. No, no, no. Confidence is everything. Confidence will get you far in this life. Just walk up and say hello. That is true. That's all there is to it. Have a conversation about anything. You can start with the basics, where you're from, if that's what works. But start with a hello. It's like if, if you have a group of friends at, at, at school, Right? And, you know, you, you hang out with this group and there are a couple of girls there, a couple of guys there. You, you want to know? Say hello. Introduce yourself. You know what no one's doing in their life? Introducing themselves. Once you introduce yourself to someone, you have their attention. They have to pay attention to you. You're the person who is confident enough to just introduce yourself. It's pretty important stuff. This story is pretty important stuff. I love this story. And yes, I have shared this story with my children. This is this is what happens when you, I know I want something. I can't get it unless I put myself out there. I'm just going to reach out. What's the worst that can happen? The worst that happened to Kevin Mowai is he got a job with the Indianapolis Colts. And being in Indianapolis myself, Kevin, welcome. It's good to have you here. I'm Tony Katz. Does this count as a Biden flub? I know people have been sharing it, but he was talking about those who have died from COVID, although he doesn't get into, you know, the real details of comorbidities and things like that. And this is what he said. You tell me, is this a Biden flub or is this someone who was trying to say something like, you know what, I've got it right here. Let me just read it.
1: Ordinary Americans doing extraordinary things People who break their necks every day for their families and the country they love. A country that, in fact, uh, which on the day I was elected was in extreme distress. With the virus on a deadly rampage, that has now killed over four thousand — excuse me, five hundred — I carry it in my pocket every day. I have the list of exactly how many have died. 547,296 Americans dead from the virus. Is that a flub?
0: Because I think people are playing it as such. And I'm like, I, I think that one we've all made. The problem for Joe Biden is that he makes so many of those. It goes into a long line. Of course there's an issue. And by the way, the country wasn't in distress when you got inaugurated. What kind of thing is this? You had a press corps that said America was in distress. The border was in much better shape. People were much more, you know, uh, happy with where their 401k was going and questioning where it's going to go under you. Especially with this conversation of corporate tax increases and, you know, you keep saying no one over $400,000 or no one under $400,000 a year is going gonna, is gonna to have a, a penny of tax increase. You know, no one believes you, right? No one believes you. It's hard to believe because so many lies are told. And no, they're not all Donald Trump's lies. It's a good piece over at Commentary Magazine by Christine Rosen, The Hard Truths of the Latest Anti-Asian Attack. We saw uh, the woman in New York get kicked in the stomach and then kicked in the head. And no one went to help, even though two grown men were watching. And they just closed the door. It was a glass door to an apartment building. They just closed the door. They want to be around it. They've been suspended. Who knows what's going to happen. I don't know if you fire people or not, because this isn't about, you know, uh, whether or not y- y- you represented us well. This is about whether or not you represented humanity well. You saw a woman getting attacked. You did nothing. Uh, from a guy who was on the streets, by the way, uh, on parole, he killed his mother in 2002. But that attack was a black man on an Asian woman. And it didn't fit narrative too well, as we've seen a series of attacks of black people on Asians. No, the narrative that worked well was the guy in Atlanta. This was just white supremacy. No, he wasn't killing people because they were Asian, although he killed eight people. Six of them were Asian. He killed them because they worked at massage parlors, and that's where he went for sex, and he felt that it was too much of a temptation, so he had to do away with them. That's what happened. Local law enforcement told us that. The FBI told us that. The narrative seekers celebrities and and uh, politicos and others social media they didn't want to hear that because it didn't fit what they wanted which was a white supremacist hellscape as opposed to hey we're seeing something here and we should be very very careful and aware and ask ourselves why it's happening if someone is attacking someone if, if a person is attacking someone who's asian because of covid well that's nuts course it's nuts now when they tell me it's a hate crime i'll tell you that anybody attacking anybody is a crime you know it's it's that line from once upon a time in hollywood anybody who kills anybody else is going to jail it's manslaughter that's a great line it's a great great line it's brad pitt talking to the guy uh, playing bruce lee so no i this still does not have me saying that we should be all about hate crimes not at all but we shouldn't deny what it is we're seeing and ask ourselves why it's happening. But can't you can't just decide, well, it's we only care about it when we want to make a claim of white supremacy. It's obvious. Bring in Dr. Eugene Gu, G-U, I believe I'm pronouncing the last name correctly, who's known on Twitter for being a far leftist doctor. Black on Asian crimes, he writes, Only occur because of our system of white supremacy that strips African-Americans of their economic opportunities while taking respect and dignity away from Asian-Americans. Also, white people in power are experts at dividing and conquering to stay in power. So the guy who kicked the 65-year-old Asian woman, the black man who kicked the Asian woman, and then kicked her in the face, it was white supremacy that caused him to kill his mother? These people... The narrative matters more than the truth, the narrative matters more than decency. The narrative is there is the source of their existence. I don't know, maybe this is what happens when you don't have God in your life, you got to fill it with something. And you fill it with this. It really is uh, obscene. We should be discussing what's going on, and we should be laughing and mocking and shaming Those people who move narrative over facts. Facebook Tony Katz Radio. Get the podcast at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz Today.